And we thank you for that. We pray for our church. We pray for its ministry. We pray that you will have our church in your hands as far as where it goes and the progression in the ministry. And we pray that those who are serving you right here today are earnestly seeking you and earnestly willing to pitch in and do whatever is necessary to carry forth the gospel of Jesus Christ to whoever you would send us to that needs to hear it. We thank you again for the opportunity to serve you. We know that we are blessed because of you, because of your presence in our lives. We thank you and ask for all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Hopefully today will, well, today may be a hot tea with lemon day. We'll have to see. We'll figure it out. Amen. I was planning my uh, monthly meeting the other day at my job with some of uh, a team of collectors and assistants. And I stumbled on something that I thought during the, for the meeting would be quite meaningful and useful. Now, my job has not changed. It's, my title has never changed. It's been the same pretty much for a little while now. It's been the same job. I supervise a team of 10 people. Uh, eight collectors. I just took over once again all the collectors in our department. Uh, eight collectors and two admins, and they report directly to me now. And part of my responsibility is to rally the troops, uh, to encourage them to work well as individuals, and also to work as a team for a common goal. Amen? Work as a team. Now, this is important because each of us are evaluated every year with team performance goals. Every year we have goals that we have to hit. Everybody who's still working in corporate America, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are performance goals that we're judged on every year. And they frankly have a lot to do with how productive we are as a department. Now, I came up with a way to define our collections group with a name. And I called it Team Focus. Team Focus. With the word focus featured in all capital letters. Team focus. Now, if you know anything about company meetings and you're presiding over a meeting, some of the people in the meeting are sincerely looking at you and nodding their head and acknowledging that you're there. Some people are looking down at the table. Some people are looking up at the ceiling. Some people might even be doodling on their legal pads, okay? There's all kinds of participation in meetings. But nevertheless, the phrase team focus seemed to be well received, whether or not you always got an immediate acknowledgement of that. Uh, it reminded everyone that as a team member, each person is to focus on what tasks need to be done and to assist the other team members in order to achieve their goals for the year. And that's going to require focus. Focus. Now, as I was planning this out, it occurred to me that there is application for this same type of focus within the church and even on a grander scale the body of Christ the body of Christ as Jesus calls upon his people to reflect his image in a Christ-like manner 
we are to also support each other and live amongst one another in peace. And that often means working well together as a team within our church and the body of Christ for a common goal. In this effort, the most important goal is that Jesus Christ is glorified. Amen? That's the purpose of why we do what we do. Jesus Christ is the one who is glorified through our efforts. So in other words, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ need to be humble before him. Amen? Humble before him and live in obedience and also be humble in the effort of working with other people within the body of Christ. Working with other people within the body of Christ. Oh, if it was all that simple. Amen? That sounds lovely. That sounds great. That sounds sweet. But the reality is is that sometimes we have to learn how to do that. Some of us just don't play well with others. Amen? We don't play well with others. Now, we're talking about the body of Christ. Some of us have to still figure that out. We also have to remember some one thing that just come, comes to mind, too. And we were having a conversation with a lady um, yesterday who goes to the house of the Lord. And the same thing is true at the house of the Lord as it is here at this church or any other church. 20% of the folks do 80% of the work in those churches. Amen? All right, one amen. Now, I know better than that. A lot of folks just don't get involved in churches. Now, this is supposed to be the body of Christ. Amen? We're 20, and that's even true over at the house of the Lord. Big old church. But just a few people are the ones who step up and do stuff. It's true here too. Many of you certainly remember growing up with a group of friends that you enjoyed hanging out with. While there were others you tried to avoid because they either made fun of you or they just didn't like you. That may be kid stuff, but adults seem to have refined this approach to become now a special talent for them. They still look at you funny. They still probably don't like you. They still probably make fun of you behind your back. They just don't do it to your face. If they do it to your face, well, you really know where they're coming from. Amen? Now look, we all have our favorites. Our favorite people to hang around. Amen? We all have our favorites. We know who they are. But Christ calls us to do more than just hang out with our favorite people. He calls us to do more than that. We're supposed to do more than just hang out with those folks we really get along with. And we should do that. And we're going to do that. But now we need to go further than that. We are challenged to do more. Go further. It's another way that he sanctifies us within our relationship with him. The one who seeks Jesus Christ will find himself stretched and molded into someone that he never thought would happen. 
You will go further than you ever thought you would go the more you have this relationship with the Lord. You will do more, you will see more, you'll experience more. Way beyond what you ever imagined yourself. And that would be a great thing. Amen? God wants to bring you to a place where you are more willing to do even more for him as you step out on faith. And that literally means stepping out on faith. Sometimes the analogy comes in my head when we talk about stepping out on faith. You know, the high wire acts. You know, you have a wire that you have to walk across to get from one side to the other. And of course, it can be very, depends on the individual, of course, it's very dangerous. Maybe not to Carl Willenda or the son, the Willenda guy who does it all the time now, but he's a strong believer. He believes that he's making a testimony for Jesus Christ by walking that tightrope and speaking and praying out loud. They have him mic'd up. Have you ever watched those? They have him mic'd up. And he's praying and talking to the Lord while he's walking across this wire. It's an amazing testimony. But when I think of walking out on faith and stepping out on faith, I think of him. I think of that example that he gives because he literally is walking out on faith. And the only thing that's keeping him up is God himself and balance and walking across that wire. It is deep. Now, will I ever do that? Never. <laughs> that ain't me. God selects some people. Have you ever picked on this? Picked, up, picked this out? God selects some people to be those special people to go out and make a grand testimony for Jesus Christ. He absolutely does that. And you could be one of those people too. But the only way you're going to know that is if you step out on faith and just see what God can do in your life. Now this discussion about working well within the body of Christ can be challenging. And let's be honest about it. If you can't play well with others within the body, how in the world will you ever be the best you can be in discipling other people in the body and reaching people for Jesus Christ who are not saved? So if you're not playing well with other people, you're only showing that you can't disciple other people. You're only showing that you can't breach people for Jesus Christ. Because that means you've got an attitude in there somewhere that needs to be dealt with. Amen? You've got an attitude issue. You've got to deal with that. And isn't that exactly what this thing about discipleship is all about? You can't pick or choose your favorite people to do this stuff. You can't just pick or choose them. You're limiting yourself. God may be putting someone in your life very specifically, maybe with a similar personality than you, who is totally lost and needs guidance. But that person you probably would not walk up to personally and say a word to them. The Spirit has to guide you in all of this. You have to be willing to allow the Spirit to speak and not play favorites. That's a challenge for us. If Christ sends someone into your path, are you willing to walk the path 
with that person? Or will you back down and take another road? Will you follow his teaching, his guidance? Or will you back off? Some will trust in Christ's direction. While others will move in a different direction. Consider Jonah. Consider what happened to him. Because he knew the direction he was supposed to take and didn't take it. He had to be forced to take it. I challenge you to consider that following God's direction is much more meaningful. It's a meaningful path for you to take. So in order to be successful in Christ, you need to resist your own desires in the flesh and be humble, humble, teachable, and trainable in all his ways. If you're humble, teachable, and trainable in all his ways, you are ready to step out on faith and trust in him. Please turn your Bibles, open their Bibles, and turn to Romans chapter 12. Being a believer in Jesus Christ within the body requires flexibility. Flexibility working within the body, but guess what? Flexibility as far as you're concerned. Humbling yourself allows you to be taught and trained. It allows you to hear God speak to you very clearly and give you wisdom and knowledge. But it all starts with being humble and allowing yourself to be taught. It says in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, I'm reading from the Holman Christian version, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Notice all the things that are taking place because you're humbling yourself enough to be able to be taught and learn. God will transform you when you humble yourself. A living sacrifice, living a Christ-like existence, reflecting Christ in what you do, being teachable to the point where you're allowing your mind to be transformed and renewed and taken places you never thought you'd go before. Because God's doing it. God is doing it in your life. He gives you that ability to be able to know His will, to discern His will, and frankly, be a pleasing fragrance and aroma to those who you come in contact with. That's how powerful this passage really is. Jesus Christ is looking for the ones who are willing to remain faithful 
and obedient to Him. And you know what? There ain't many of us. He's looking. He's searching for those very people who are willing to be faithful and obedient to Him. And that may be what the body of Christ is suffering from. There aren't enough of us in the body who are being faithful and obedient. And so we wind up going on the sidelines. We wind up not participating. We wind up not seeking him. We wind up not fellowshipping. If we are willing to remain faithful and obedient to him, he will respond. In kind, with the guidance you need to maintain the focus we are to have in our service to him. Service for him. Excuse me. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. Let's do a little exercise. Proverbs 3. Normally we read 5 and 6. We're going to start at verse 1. I want you to see some other things in this passage. I've been finding myself doing that a lot lately where I go... You know, we, you center on a passage 5 and 6, for example, in Proverbs 3, and all of us know what that passage says, but I'm starting to enjoy going around those passages and seeing what leads up to what's being said. Because I think it has a lot of value. You can make the argument that you should memorize all of this first six verses. Starting with verse 1, once again from the Holman version, Proverbs chapter 3. My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. For they will bring you many days of full life and well-being. Stop there. What's the importance of keeping the commands? To enjoy the grace, the pleasure, the life that God has given you. A full life, well-being, many days. This is almost like a cause and effect. The more that you're obedient to the Lord, the more He is going to bless you with that abundant life we talk about. Next, let, never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Remain faithful. Remain loyal. Don't let it get away from you. Don't let your flesh allow you to put that aside. Because that's what that's really referring to. Your flesh will put anything aside that Jesus Christ brings your way. If you let it happen. So don't let it happen. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. Find favor and high regard. Everyone loves fragrant smells. A candle. Incense. Whatever smells good to you. And when something doesn't smell so good, what does the first thing happen? Your nose turns up. You want to get out of the room. Who did that? I don't need to add to that, do I? No, I don't. There's a big difference between a good smell and a not-so-good smell. A bad smell. 
You as believers in Jesus Christ, everywhere you go, as I said earlier, should be a fragrant aroma. Your demeanor, your appearance, the way you carry yourself, the way you present yourself, and you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. The Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. He wants you to be attractive so that people will come up to you and ask you questions about this faith thing that you're involved in. He knows exactly what he's doing. But what does it take? You've got to be faithful and obedient and stay the course. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways and he will guide you on the right paths. It is a trust factor. And not just a little bit of trust, but trusting the Lord in completeness. Complete trust. So in order to execute effectively this team focus that I referred to earlier... We need to bring our own talents to the table. God gives us a measure of talents and abilities that are available to support and edify each other within the body of Jesus Christ. Each of us, in addition to these talents, bring a very unique trait, your own personality. You have a unique personality. And... There are only a few of you who are like that, that have personalities similar to yours. None of you are equal. You may have similar personalities, but personalities are important too in the conveyance of these talents and gifts. Of the ten different people who report to me at work, I believe I have seven or eight different personalities within the group. A lot of different folks who come from different places, different backgrounds. They're all different. Amen? Most of them work very hard. Some work harder than others. But ultimately at what I would call acceptable levels. And each person injects his or her own personality into what they bring into the workplace. God created you to be who you are, of course, and to share who you are within the body of Christ, your own Uniqueness. You are unique. You're here for a reason and a purpose, and you're unique. You have a uniqueness that you can share within the body. These individual traits make up your focus within the team effort. Now, let's look at the word focus. This is another one of those acronyms. And the word F, the letters F-O-C-U-N-S will stand for something. So let's make a note. The F in focus for today stands for fair-mindedness. Fair-mindedness. And that is hyphenated. Fair-mindedness. Now if you look up fair-minded in the American Heritage Dictionary, it is defined as just and impartial, not prejudiced. Your approach as a believer is to always project honesty and impartiality in everything that you take on. That is huge 
honesty and impartiality. As a supervisor, I can't play favorites with people on my team. I can't play favorites with those individuals who perform better than other people do. I have to treat everyone exactly the same way. The moment I start playing favorites, remember we said playing favorites? The more you lose the respect of other team members because they see what you're doing. But if you're seen as being impartial and fair and honest in your approach with everyone that you report to, they may not like you, but they will respect you. And that's all you can ask. I mean, of course you want them to like you, but you may not always have that. You may not have that luxury. But at the end of the day, you want to be respected. That same thing even applies in your approach within the body of Christ. You can't play favorites all the time and expect it to be seen as necessarily honest or impartial. When it comes to working with a group or a team, that's easier said than done. It's easy to play favorites, be judgmental, or pick people to work with or witness with who seem to get along with you. But that's not where it should end. Christ calls for his people to have integrity and not only work with those who may not stand out as appealing, but also reach out to those who may even respond with hostility. All you can do is ask. But it takes your asking and praying about it and seeking the Lord. Keep in mind the very people that you witness to or speak the gospel to may or may not be receptive. But that doesn't mean that you don't go and speak to them. The key is to be responsive to the Holy Spirit in our movement throughout the body of Christ. No matter where it takes you, no matter where it goes. Be open to everyone. Now, I'll challenge you on this. A lot of people are not. A lot of people are not. So the first letter in focus basically gets obliterated before we even go any further. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. I didn't note it. I believe it's from the English Standard Version, not positive, but it's either from the ESV or the Holman, but it will speak volumes to you. It says in 2 Timothy 2.15, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. The first three words of that verse say it all. Do your best. Give it your best effort. Don't half step on this. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. You're presenting yourself to God as one approved, but even before other people, you show yourself to be approved by God to be able to speak on his behalf. Do your best. 
Give it your best effort. Because you are handling the word of truth. Anything less than that won't do. When you're handling truth, anything less than the best effort is not sufficient. And frankly, as believers in Christ, not acceptable. Do your best. Flip, to, flip back to uh, Proverbs 28. Proverbs chapter 28. The book of Proverbs speaks a lot of truths. Gives you pros and cons, yeas and nays, ups and downs. Here's a verse, and I would have to, you know, I, I wouldn't call myself a rich person. I wouldn't call myself a poor person. But look at what Scripture says about, in verse 6, Proverbs 28, verse 6. I know you're waiting for me to say that. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in all his ways. Amen? Everybody listening? Everybody wide awake? Say amen. All right. Better to be poor and have integrity than to be rich and be a crook. And that's the truth. Go back to Colossians, please. Chapter 3. Colossians 3. May be familiar with this verse. Verses 23 and 24. Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24. Remember when we said, do your best? This verse says the same thing. It says not only do your best, but it says in verse 23, whatever you do, do it enthusiastically as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. We know that we're doing this for a reason. We know that there is a reward that comes in doing good things. That shouldn't be the primary reason why we do it. It's good to know that the reward is there. But now he's calling us to do something even more than just going through the motions. Do it with enthusiasm. Do you praise the Lord every day that you wake up and he gives you another day? That's where it begins. Every day that you get up, you have another day to serve and praise the Lord. That's pretty important because you need to be enthusiastic about the life you have. No one wants to hang around somebody who's always complaining and moaning and groaning. You develop a really bad reputation for yourself. There's a young lady at my wife's job who's developing a very bad... She's not even that old. And she's developing a bad reputation for herself because she's always got... Says good morning and then says something negative right after that. Nobody wants to hear all that junk all the time. Amen. (laughs) And no believer should ever be in that area. 
I mean, no one, no one who really has the love of Christ in their life should be complaining about anything for any length of time. It shouldn't be your way of your lifestyle. So what that tells you is about that other person, that person needs the Lord. Because that would not be happening if it was an everyday occurrence. You're talking about complaining about something. Let's move on to the O in focus. The O stands for organization. Organization. Now, organization is often a guideline for business professionals, but it is helpful for believers to carry out their service for Jesus Christ, both as individuals and within a group, in a formal, deliberate manner. You know, planning does mean something. It does mean something. It's important to plan. I'm all for spontaneity and being ready to move when the Spirit tells you to move, but having a plan for your life and striving to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ requires having a daily schedule of reading and prayer. Amen? It requires it. It's how you remain focused. That's your own personal organization. The events of life are going to require some degree of flexibility. We've all experienced that. We've talked about that this morning earlier. Stuff's going to happen in your life where you have to be flexible. We get that. But that doesn't mean you abandon your plans for everything. Your plans will change, yes, but you don't abandon them. They'll just change. You'll do things differently. But you keep the plan in place. Your Christ-like life of planning and organization provides you with a baseline, a baseline, and a guideline for effective ministry. It has to start with a baseline. You shouldn't be living your life every day wondering about how you got to church and how you're going to get back. What am I going to do today? That's not you. I hope not. There should be a plan in there somewhere. There should be organization somewhere in there. Go to Proverbs 16.3. The key element to this is having a plan, being organized. God recognizes that you have to have a plan to be organized and prepare. One of the most important things we do, obviously, when we have a big event at our church, what do we do beforehand? We pray about it. We pray ahead of time for whatever the outcome is going to be for that event. Well, that's planning. That's important. But look what it says here in Proverbs 16.3. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. He is going to affirm your planning. Affirm your organization. Affirm the approach you take. In order for you to experience success in the Lord, you're also going to need to live for Christ in the body through your planning with consistency. The C word in focus is consistency. We have to stay consistent in our approach. Amen? Consistency. Your life in Jesus Christ every day is going to have its opportunities. 
There are going to be victories and there are going to be setbacks. There are going to be praises to God from his blessings and there's going to be prayers at times for mercy and comfort. A consistent life in Christ, in his service, is a persistent life of faith. You get that? A consistent life in Christ is a persistent life in faith. You persist in faith. You keep doing it, you keep doing it, you stay faithful, you stay focused on him. That's the consistency we're talking about. It's a persistent life of faith, forgiveness, repentance, and reverence. Faith, repentance, forgiveness, and reverence. In your consistent approach of looking to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to give you the wisdom and knowledge and understanding as he sanctifies you each day with his presence. That helps you to be more consistent. The more you know, the more you'll grow. Amen? The more you know, the more you'll grow. You're going to experience greater successes when you stay the course and remain consistently faithful in Jesus Christ. And he will acknowledge that. Your desire to live for Christ will be acknowledged with blessings and testimonies that glorify him. The more consistent you are, the more you're going to see him working. You know, if you're inconsistent, you're going to be missing blessings. You're going to be spotty. Your faith will be spotty. That's no way to live in Christ. You're hampering your own potential if you're inconsistent in your faith. He wants you to reach your greatest potential in faith. And that's where this enthusiasm comes from. You know, folks, some folks are not enthusiastic for the Lord. They should be, but they don't get it yet. Hopefully you get that. That enthusiasm. Please turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's take a look at verse 58 in 1 Corinthians 15. If there's one thing that many of us don't like, it's doing things that turn out to be a waste of time. Amen? You put through two or three hours of effort into something and you find out you didn't need to do it in the first place. That ain't cool, man. Especially if you have a schedule that you try to maintain stuff. No one likes to waste their time. In corporate America, a lot of people ask questions today, if we do this thing, is it really worth it? What is the purpose of it? What am I doing? That's a millennial thing today. And they rightfully ask the question. There ain't nothing worse than spending time doing something you don't need to be doing it. Well, thankfully, our faith in Jesus Christ does have a payoff. It does mean something. And verse 58 talks about that. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the, in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Praise the Lord. Whatever you do for the Lord is not a waste of time. It's not a waste of time. You may not see the fruits of everything that you're doing, but that's not your place to see all the fruits. The Holy Spirit is the one who takes care of that. Whenever it happens or wherever it happens. But whatever you're doing, it is not a waste of time. Praise the Lord for that. Remember that he's speaking truth here. Some of us plant, some of us water. Amen? Just like Scripture says, you may not see all the fruits. Doesn't matter you don't see all the fruits. It's not a waste of time. Not in vain. But the key element here is be steadfast, be immovable, always abound in the work in the Lord. Don't stop just because you can't see something. Don't stop doing it. Keep doing it anyway. Keep praying for those people. If it takes 25 years for you to pray for somebody to get it, then you pray for the 25 years. You pray until you can't pray no more. Anymore. Y'all know what I meant. Pray until you can't pray no more. That's what we're supposed to do. Be steadfast. The U in focus stands for unity. Being unified in your efforts. Unity. Work within the body of Christ is the epitome of effective teamwork. Especially when the members give a testimony that gives God the glory. It is not just about the efforts of the individual. Now, I say this because some folks won't volunteer for something unless they can't get their name plate out there. That ain't unity. Unity means you are working as a group and no one gets the special accolades over it. Just like the F word in focus, the letter F in focus, can fall off because if you're not fair-minded, the U will drop right out too if you take an approach where you think you're better than everybody else. You know why? Because the focus is not on Jesus Christ. The focus winds up being on you. The person. Who does he think he is? Who does she think she is? Because we'll start talking. I don't even want to be part of this project anymore. I don't want to do any of this stuff no more. I don't want him on my team because all he wants to do is take all the glory for it. Now, who has the focus in that? It ain't Jesus Christ. You see my point. Unity means you have to back down and allow other people in the group to work with you. Be unified as a team. It's about your service for the team, for the group, for the church. It's for the testimony of God at work within you and the group. Jesus is the reason why you do what you do. Not because you want your own special brownie points or accolades for it. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2. I mention this because we are human beings. Human beings have 
our own personalities, our own ways of thinking. And just like I said, we don't get along with everybody. This is why we mention this. This is why we have to focus on these very things. Unity in the body of Christ requires us to die to self and live for Christ. Amen? Die to self and live for Christ. Philippians 2 verses 1 through 4 should give encouragement to us. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. And that goal is to glorify Jesus Christ. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit. Amen? Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit. Amen? Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit. Amen? Focusing on... I'm sorry about that. But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Amen? Others more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, which is fine. You look after yourself, but also for the interests of others. That's the epitome of loving your neighbor as yourself. That's what that is. Of course you love yourself. You want to take care of yourself, but you love your neighbor the same way. You treat them the same way. You give them the same respect. You do the very things to honor them. Because it's not all about you. Amen? Go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. First Peter three verse eight. This is from the English Standard Version. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and what? A humble mind. I will challenge you that without the humble mind, you will not have unity, sympathy, brotherly love, or a tender heart. The humble mind really comes first, and then everything else will follow that. Now, Scripture mentions this because we don't always have unity in the body of Christ. Why does Scripture talk about meaningless disputes and arguments that take place within the church because they are taking place in the church and they are meaningless. They don't amount to a hill of beans. But that causes disunity. The issue of race has been a dividing line in many churches talking about white churches going into black neighborhoods. Well, it's all about ministering for Jesus Christ. So there's disunity. 
So we need to overcome that and focus on what's important. The S word in focus stands for skilled. S letter stands for skilled. Skilled. You bring your skills that you have acquired over a lifetime, even perhaps as an expert in whatever field you're in. You know, some of us are doctors. Some of us are lawyers. Some of us are school administrators. Some of us are teachers. You all have talent that you bring to the table that you're using as far as your profession was concerned. For those of you who can cook, God bless you. Amen. Cooking is a real talent. Why do you think there are so many successful shows on TV today about cooking? Everybody laughed at that guy that started that cooking channel, whatever that was. I forget the name of the channel now. They laughed at him and thought he was the, was the most biggest waste of time. One of the biggest things he ever could have done. Everybody loves to watch cooking shows. You know why? Folks love to eat good food. And I can't blame them. But it's a real talent. It's a gift. Not everybody can cook. Amen? Some of us have had bad meals before. And isn't it funny how you remember the bad meals? You usually remember the good ones too, but the bad ones, just like, I don't ever want to do that again. It's a talent to be able to cook good food. And, and understand something. It's wonderful to be able to fellowship knowing that you're going to be eating good food and you don't have to worry about getting food poisoning or something like that. Amen? That's a wonderful thing. Amen? We all bring our skills to the table in the body of Christ, no matter where you come from. And whatever field you're in, whatever you bring to the table, it lends to a very good end product with your contributions. Remember, everything that is done is not in vain. Even if we're ministering to each other and we're encouraging each other and discipling each other, that's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. It's not in vain. Your God-given talents and gifts through the power of the Holy Spirit are provided for you to be successful in your ministry of Jesus Christ. God wants people to serve him in wisdom and knowledge with his talents and gifts to reach the lost with the gospel of Christ. You know, that's why they have soup kitchens. Sometimes you have to get them where they are. If you're hungry, we will feed you. And we'll give you the gospel. Now, I challenge you to think about this stuff, too, because there's a church around the corner here that actually does open their doors to the public to eat and to feed them. And they're feeding people from the neighborhood. And they're feeding people they may not necessarily walk up to and talk to on the street. If anything, some of them might walk across the street to avoid them. But what does the gospel of Jesus Christ say? You go after everyone. Even those you wouldn't necessarily associate with. Go to Romans chapter 12. And we're just about on the home stretch.
Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 3 through 8. You've been blessed with talents and gifts that God has given you to use in the body of Christ. So take this approach as written in Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have noticed the measure of faith to each one. Faith. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the standards of one's faith. If service in service, if teaching in teaching, if exhorting in exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Now, of course, this is far from an all-inclusive list of gifts. This is not all the entire list of gifts. This is just a portion of gifts. It gives it as an example. But what it's saying is, if you have it, use it. If you've got the gift, use the gift. Don't hide it. There are many examples of people in the Bible who have different professions or trades. You've read about those. Stone cutters, tent makers, fishermen. Many different professions represented in Scripture. They all do different things. But there's a common goal. To worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherever you come from. And whatever you're doing. God will use all of these things to accomplish His glory and His purpose. He wants you to use your skills in ministry in order to reach people for Jesus Christ. One of those skills is the gift of gab. Amen? One of those skills is the gift of gab. But don't even use that as an excuse because you can't speak well. Moses didn't speak very well. In fact, Moses was rumored to be a stutterer. And God used him to lead a nation. So even if you don't have the gift of gab, just open your mouth and let the Lord speak through it. Go to Matthew 5.13. Use your skills in ministries. Skills in ministry. Matthew 5.13. And we're going to read through verse to verse 16. We had a seminar about this a few years back. It's really important for you to understand what your role is in the body of Christ. Your role in the body of Christ is to be seasoning for the earth and brightness, being a light in a dark world. Matthew 5.13 starts, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. Don't let yourself become tasteless. Next part. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, 
but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Not for what you do. You're doing good works, but who gets the glory? The Father in heaven, the Lord, Jesus Christ, gets the glory. So whatever you do, you're doing it not for your own personal benefit, but because God is going to be glorified. You won't get saved, people saved, if you're glorifying yourself. Amen? You won't get people saved the moment you think your works are glorifying yourself. It ain't going to happen. But if you're doing it for the Lord and not for men, God will be glorified. Your focus today is to be a better team member in service for Jesus Christ. Pray about that. Take that into account. It begins with your desire to do more in Christ and to be open to the many exciting opportunities as you work within the body of Christ to not only encourage others, disciple others, but also reach the lost. That's what it's all about. Amen? Father, we thank you for your teaching, for your encouragement, for reminding us of the importance of being humble, to be teachable, to be trainable, to be molded and shaped into the person you would have us to be, and to continue to grow and develop in our own relationship with you, and that we can grow and share with others how good you've been to us. We thank you for your ongoing encouragement and the blessings that you give us, and the reminders of your presence in all things that we do. Help us to play better with others. Help us to see the importance of really seeking you, not looking at outward appearances, but looking at the hearts of those involved. And as you write upon our hearts your word, Give us the desire to step out on faith a little bit more. To reach out and pray as we go. Lord, we don't always know the path, but we know that it's the good path that you take us on. Help us to remain obedient to you. To be organized. Fair-minded, consistent, unified, and to use our skills. We thank you for this focus that you've given us. We praise you, Lord, for your presence now. We thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of this talk about being focused means that you need to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'll say this because I haven't said it every time I've spoken. But if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, 
We have people here who can help you and guide you and give you information that will help you to make a decision for him today.